Welcome to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. My name is Seth Martosh, and I'm here today with my co-host... Alex Truxel. Alex, you know, Tracks from Abroad is a show where we get to go around the world visiting different countries, not literally, but figuratively through our guests. We talk to students at the University of Toronto, professors, musicians, people from all around the world, and we get to learn about new cultures and new things and on the topic of learning new more about the city mm. we would like to share with you a an event happening this sunday with matthias richard a uft professor he is going to be performing some afro peruvian music at uh 254 lansdowne avenue in toronto on sunday october 29th at 5 p.m at basement 254 so be on the lookout for that. Mm -hmm. And this week, our episode is going to be on Hungary. So we spoke to a student at U of T from Hungary by the name of Dorothy Kiss, and she is a Kung Fu world champion. So obviously, we talked to her a little bit about that. We also talked to her about her method of goal setting, both in her professional life, her academic life. Um, and lastly, we talked about possibly most eye-catchingly, most title-worthy, is her interest in outer space architecture. Could you say it? Just a little bit about what that is, Seth. Yeah, well, Dorothy is actually a good friend of mine, and we were lucky to go to Hungary this past summer and be involved in a project called Hello Wood, which is a firm in Hungary. They do a builder summit there, and we built a wooden UFO with people from across the globe we had never met before. So we came in with a design and... You know, shout out to all the people who made it happen. There are people from the UK, from Brazil, uh, Hong Kong. It was uh, it was a really amazing experience, and you know, Dorothy's love for outer space architecture and you know, just architecture in general, getting us there and leading us through was uh, amazing. So it was a fantastic experience, and you'll hear more from her about it uh, in the interview. Yeah, long before she was uh, designing. Uh, architectural designs for, for outer space. She was growing up in Hungary and uh, she talks to us a little bit about that, which we'll hear just now. I feel that having grown up in an international community all the way from kindergarten through high school, that prepared me to now study abroad here in Toronto. What about your upbringing was international? I went to an international kindergarten, so kids whose parents were from abroad um, 
those are the kinds of people I was surrounded by. And and why did your parents put you in that sort of situation? I think my mom thought learning English from the very first moment would be good for my future, and that was one of her best decisions, I think. Um, and what are you studying here at the university? I study architecture, environmental studies, and visual studies. And how long have you been interested in architecture? Since I was 12 years old. Uh, it came to me like coordinates in, in the coordinate system, being my favorite subject, math, physics, photography, and then it all met in one point being architecture. As the non-architecture student here, I have to ask all the pleb questions. So what kind of architecture do you do? Yes, we have all kinds of streams at the faculty. I chose the comprehensive stream. I have quite a comprehensive yet focused interest that ties into environmentalism and art. Um, so I'm all about history and theory, but also about making, thinking, a um, bit of everything. So how does environmentalism tie into architecture? Is it just a matter of making energy efficient buildings? To me, it's less about the technicality that interests me and more about an environmental thinking, thinking about your actions, designing for disassembly, um, being more aware of what you're doing. Designing for disassembly. What, what does about that mean? Building's future, it won't stand there forever. Uh, so if you're more mindful of how you're putting it together, like even it comes down to building models in a school. If you glue it together in a way that you can't really recycle it afterwards, you can't, so yeah. So a building can be constructed so that it can be recycled more easily? Perhaps, yes, or recycling certain elements of it or renovating it, ah. reusing it. Um, so I know you have a specific interest in extraterrestrial climates and outer space architecture. Can you tell us a little bit about your introduction to that and why you're so interested in it? When I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronaut. Then that dream faded. Uh, and then um, being in architecture school, there was a lecture called Outer Space, uh, talking about this mirrored impact that outer space exploration has held to the architecture on Earth. So I thought that was a very exceptional subject that I could connect to as an earthly architect, looking at what we can learn from what we find up there to making a more sustainable life on Earth. And, and just to help me understand what that means, what kind of ways has extraterrestrial or uh, space exploration, how has that affected architecture? If we look at extreme terrestrial climates like the Antarctic or deep in the oceans, the desert, um, Earth is becoming more and more extreme with the climate crisis. So that is um, one field that relates. Do you think that you know, that next step of outer space architecture and more extreme climates is like the natural way that society or architecture in general is going? Or do you think there's any, you know, room for adaptation to stay on Earth? I hope so. You have to stay optimistic. Um, but uh, definitely, I feel sometimes we're going backwards. Um, so I hope that by looking into a more environmental perspective, we can move ahead to become more environmentally thoughtful. Also, I know that you have recently been involved in a project with the, what is it called exactly? With the, the, the game. <laughs> oh, SDG trivia game. Yeah. Yes, with a group of students at, at the faculty, we designed a trivia game to spread sustainability on campus and it was for the Adam Sustainability Student Grant uh, at the U of T's Committee on the Environment, Climate Change, and Sustainability. So this game aims to create social 
uh, sustainability as well, to talk about these sustainable development goals defined by the UN, to be more mindful. Is there any uh, music that you think is important for people to hear that is trying to make an environmental change? To me, Michael Jackson's Earth Song comes to mind. Heal the world, make it a better place for, for me and the entire human race. I think uh, some songwriters really are touching on spreading this awareness through music, which is a medium that we all enjoy. Is that something that you'd want to give the listeners a chance to listen to now? Or Absolutely. I think that would be great. Great. You're listening to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. We'll be right back after this music break. Olyan ő, hogy megáll a szívem kalapál, mégis olyan ember. Hogyha kell, odébb áll, ő az úton merre jár, abban nincsen rendszer. Kimerít magacs és szemérmetlen is én vele nem beszélek. Hogyha kellek, ölej át, add a szíved, add a szád, és én utolérlek. Nézd, ez az érzés más, ugye te is akarod? Ez a rendbontás most olyan édes, hogy egy élet kevés lenne rá. Nézd, ez az érzés más, ugye te is akarod? Csak a baj, csak a bú, de ma senki szomorú, nincsen körülöttem. Csak te lépkedsz fel alá, azt tedd ide, ezt meg rá, gyere ide szépen. Jönnék én, ha te lennél, azt kit nékem fújt a szél, inkább itt megvárom. Míg a kezed táncra kér, és a táncos szül egyél, és én veled járom. Ez az érzés más, ugye te is akarod? Ez a rendbontás most olyan édes, hogy egy élet kevés lenne rá. Caro 
Hello and welcome back to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. I'm Alex, I'm with Seth, and we're talking to Dorothy. Dorothy, could you tell us a little bit about your time uh, studying wushu and competing in China and across the world? You're one of the uh, champions of kung fu, a champion kung fu competitor. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about what it took to get to that spot? Absolutely. I was 12 years old when I started practicing kung fu. Before then, I had experience in many different sports, ballet, horseback riding, skiing, sailing. Um, and then my heart landed on Kung Fu. So a couple of years later, I decided I wanted to become a world champion. And then I became an elite athlete, which meant training six to nine hours every day for two years. Um, and then for world championships, we traveled to China. And that's where the gold medal hung uh, around my neck. But it's really the journey that it was all about, the character development you go through, all the times you practice one move to make it perfect. That really translates then into your everyday life. So you said you got interested in architecture just around that time, roughly? Exactly. 2012 was a big year for me. Yeah. So how did you balance studying uh, martial arts for six to nine hours, or training, rather, for six to nine hours with your newfound interest in architecture? I had a very supportive school who were supporting students with um, interest and talent in a certain field so that I could do makeup tests. Uh, and not have to sit in class so that I could be in the gym training and only attend school for AP classes that I really needed the support of the class from. Was there ever a time, you know, during this journey that you talk about that you, you know, felt like you wanted to give up or, you know, had a lot of challenges? Specifically my senior year, first semester, that was right before COVID, all the university applications, the portfolio building, and training for the world championships, that was the roughest and most uh, busiest time that I think back to oftentimes now, four years later, thinking about grad school applications. Um, but I never felt like giving up. That was never an option in my head. It's a very, you know, elite mindset. <laughs> yeah. And I remember also that you told me one time that, you know, you wouldn't train just for fun or, you know, you have to have a goal and something that you set your mind on. Where does that mindset come from? Like, where do you think that stems from in, in yourself? Well, training is, is all the fun for me. So I think just doing something that I thoroughly enjoy doing. And then, yes, there's a goal to then achieve something. Because I feel that with a lot of elite athletes, when you reach a certain level, you've gone through much character development. So then what is it that you're going to do with that skill that is essentially better for humanity? So I feel that with my Kung Fu World Champion journey, today I don't practice as I used to. Of course, it's, it's, it's about architecture now, but the kinds of things that I've realized about myself or about the world while going through that exhausting journey that I feel like I now can pour into the world through architecture. So I think that thinking about this bigger picture and not as a personal Thing in itself. What are those things that you think you learned on, on that journey? Uh, when to push myself, how to push myself, when to take a break. I think those are things we all need to know about ourselves to then be able to think about the world around us and being more sensitive towards this world around us, being more confident in ourselves, knowing what we're doing or not knowing what we're doing, but being confident in that it'll work out. Do you find that a lot of people within the Kung Fu Wushu sphere have that same kind of outlook on life and it's more of a holistic thing for them? It's very interesting to see many athletes, especially I've seen in the United States, they study at exceptional universities and colleges and while competing. So it, it seems to be what elite Kung Fu athletes are doing these days. 
And, you know, going forward for yourself, you said, you know, you're coming onto your last uh, semester and last year. What do you plan to do after? I'm planning to apply to grad school, Master of Architecture, and uh, see where, where that'll be after. But for now, that's that's what I see. Why is it important for you to like keep busy and to always be working on something? It keeps me content. That's really what I enjoy doing the most. So, And the balance between sports and academics has always been, for me, the secret ingredient to be successful in either. Where do you think that sort of mindset came from? Is that the school you went to, your parents, the culture of Hungary? When I look at my family, my grandparents, uh, my parents, the kinds of uh, routes they took, the kind of complexities that they've embedded in their practice, it's very much what I do. So it makes sense that it comes from my family, yes. Do you have another song that you'd like to share with us? There's one called Racing Porsche Love, which is uh, a song about what it feels like to be in love, like racing in a Porsche. And to me, that's also kind of how it feels when I do Kung Fu or architecture. It gives me all the butterflies. We are going to listen to Racing Porsche Love on Tracks from Abroad, and we'll be right back with some more conversation with Dorothy.
Listening to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. My name is Seth, and I'm here with my co host Alex, and today we're talking to Dorothy. Dorothy, we were very lucky this past summer to go and uh, experience a music festival and builder summit at Hellawood. Can you tell people a little bit about what we did, the concept, and you know how you take an idea from generation all the way to completion? Absolutely. So Hellowood is a Hungarian-based design studio holding builder summits for university students almost every summer. And this year the theme was about construction, disassembly, uh, dystopian future for architecture. And that tied in perfectly with my interest for outer space and the extreme 
climate crisis. And so then the idea to design something was inevitable. And from my academic research, I've discovered this interesting parallel between designs for outer space habitats and ones on Earth in the 60s and 70s, particularly, where if you look at these images, you think, wait, where is this designed for Earth or outer space? And so then looking into Buckminster Fuller's idea of the spaceship Earth, about the Earth being one entity floating in space and that we humanity have to be the ones to guide it through together, more uh, aware of what we're doing. And looking at a particular design that I found the most exciting by Mati Suronen, which were holiday homes for the mountains, but they look like UFOs. So then taking that into a wooden structure, um, making it very much angular, and thinking about how that may then be assembled in eight days by a group of people who've never met before. So what drew you to the spacecraft design? Is it a practicality thing? Is it a uh, just aesthetic thing? I think outer space to me is an enigma. It's just always such an exciting topic to discover. And then particularly finding this uh, mirror that it's been holding for Earth and extreme climates here. It's something that I can connect to even more since I'm here too. Mm -hmm. And for somebody looking to, you know, explore a little bit more about outer space and these topics that you suggest, what are some resources or, you know, inspirations that you have stumbled across in the past? Uh, recently, I've been reading a lot about uh, experiments in extreme terrestrial climates to see what kind of ecosystems have survived there, or looking at biospheres on Earth, uh, how humans and other species may live together in such a, an atmosphere, an enclosed environment. So I think looking into what's happening in the extremes here, and then looking into the more ambitious designs for another planet may be a good start. So what does that really mean to say space architecture? I think when thinking about life on another planet, the technological aspect of building a habitat isn't the most concerning, whether how will a human being or another species get used to such a different atmosphere and living condition mindset. Uh, I think that's more of the aspect that I'm fascinated by looking into or that I'm more concerned about. Okay, I was lucky to have you take me around Budapest for a day when I came to visit. If you were giving a tour to someone else, maybe Alex over here, mm -hmm. where would you take him? Uh, the castle comes to mind first. I think overlooking the city in beautiful architecture, you can't go wrong with that. Walking along the Danube, especially at night when the lights are up, looking at the parliament, really well, old school, pretty architecture. Is there a, um, a variety of architecture that you can see in Budapest? Because we mentioned the communist history. Is there a big, are there noticeable changes in oh, periods, uh, buildings built in this period have this design, buildings built in this period have this design, etc.? The old city center is definitely filled with uh, Art Deco, Bauhaus, and as you move towards the suburbs and the new modern buildings, you see what you would think a modern building would look like on an international scale. Is there something at the U of T that you think is going unnoticed that is that helps students feel welcome at any building on the campus? I find uh, the kind of old campus parts and uh, libraries soothing more calm stroll through campus, clearing your mind, rather than looking at modern glass towers. What kind of Hungarian music do you listen to? You don't listen to it right now, or you listen to it 
uh, old music? I listen to specifically 80s, 90s rock and roll. That's a very joyful time in the country, and that has bred uh, joyful music. What was happening in the country during that time? Uh, in 89, communism fell. So then that kind of liberty that people felt and that brought them together, uh, that is prominent throughout the music as well. Is there a specific song that you think sort of encapsulates that that joy of uh, a change of regime? There's one called Roll Up the Carpet, which is uh, about the feeling of house parties and the kind of liberty that one feels. So I think that would be a good song to listen to. Great, let's have a listen to Roll Up the Carpet then. This is on Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. We'll be right back after this. Sorry, no, sorry, don't. So I'm not mad at you, but I'm sorry, 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 I'm sor
Welcome back to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM. You have been hearing our conversation with Dorothy Kiss, a student at the University of Toronto. Dorothy, it was great to have you on. She recommended some great Hungarian rock and roll songs from the late 80s and early 90s around the fall of communism in Hungary. And you also heard a couple of songs that, uh, as I mentioned, was at the music festival in Hungary and heard some great music there over the two-day festival. And yeah. what else did we not hear? Well, we didn't. We didn't hear Michael Jackson's "Save the World." Uh, I I was reaching for a segue there. I said 
Uh, are there any, Dorothy, are there any uh, songs that you think are important about environmentalism and your passion for it? She said Save the World by Michael Jackson. Not exactly in the mantra, the motto of uh, Tracks from Abroad exactly, so we didn't end up hearing that. But, you know, we do endorse Saving the World. That is something that's important. Uh, and besides that, something that you will be able to hear is uh, Matthias Richarte, who called in earlier today. Yeah, Matthias Richarte, uh, former guest of the show and professor as well, is going to be having some Peruvian music this Sunday, October 29th at 5 p.m. at Basement 254, uh, located at 254 Lansdowne Avenue in Toronto. He called our producer Jesse McDougall earlier today, and you're going to hear from him now. So this Sunday, October 29th at Basement 254, which is at Lansdowne and College, starting at 6 p.m. It's a Sunday. We're going to start a celebration. We're going to do a celebration in Peru. We call Criollo Song. And Criollo music is kind of the folk music of the region. Uh, it has a very strong African influence because Lima up to the early 20th century was a majority black. Criollo music plays a very special uh, role in this um, month to celebrate black culture and, and Afro-Peruvian culture in general in Lima and many other parts of the, of the country. You can get your tickets at uh, Eventbrite. Uh, you can find the link at the Basement 254 website. It's on Sunday, October 29th, starting at 6 p.m. until 11 p.m. Yeah, and it was great to hear from Professor Richarte. If you would like to let us know about any events that are upcoming uh, or just any feedback in general, feel free to email us at tracksfromabroad at ciut.fm. But without other way, um, coming up next on Tracks From Abroad, we just have a slew of different Hungarian and Canadian artists and Hungarian-Canadian artists, um, one of which is a little-known singer-songwriter by the name of Alanis Morissette, who's coming up next.
your cigarette break It's like 10,000 spoons when all you need is a knife It's meeting the man of my dreams and then meeting his beautiful wife isn't it ironic? Don't you think? A little too ironic. And yeah, I really do think. It's like
This is Tracks from Abroad. My name is Seth Martosh, and I'm here with my co-host, Alex Troxel. You've just been listening to some jazz music by Roby Botosh, a Hungarian-Canadian jazz musician who actually recently just had a performance at the Royal Conservatory. He is a Juno Award winner and has released a bunch of jazz music over the past decades. Um, Alex, you want to tell us about the upcoming episodes that we're going to have? Yeah, absolutely. So next week is going to be a sort of hybrid episode on India and Myanmar, a country that uh, share a lot of history and share a lot of people, really, who have been traveling across the borders. Uh, one of those people has been um, Harman, who we talked to last week, and we'll be uh, airing an interview with him. His family literally trekked through the jungle to get from Myanmar to uh, India, uh, where they would be uh, received with a bit more tolerance as he described. Uh, We also speak with uh, Brian Dickey of the Myanmar Students Association, and we also spoke with Ritesh Das, a uh, tabla extraordinaire, tabla being a sort of drum instrument. Um, It's going to be really fun. Uh, Those are some high-quality interviews that we have to get edited down into just the best bits. For sure. Uh, But, uh, yeah, we hope you'll join us then. That'll be next week at um, 6 p.m. on Monday, as usual. You've been listening to Tracks from Abroad on CIUT 89.5 FM, and we're going to close the show off with some more contemporary Hungarian music from Ivan and the Parazol, as well as Analog Balaton. Sam, who's on key?